It is a time for children this morning. I'd like to invite all the kids to come forward for our time together. Come on. I'm going to get my stuff. Come join me up here. Hi. Welcome to worship. So glad you all are here today. Oh, and you might have noticed. Let's see. We have some campers here with us today. There are a few of us. Yeah, yeah. Miss Ava and Madison and Bennett and Wesley and I here went to camp at Bridgeport this week. Yeah, and our thing that we talked about all week was call. No, it's not. Was call about how we are all, as you can see on my shirt here. Can you see what my shirt says? People of God. We are all, we will another week. I'm going to get the music to Miss Betsy, all right? Um, And how we are all called. All of us. Because we are all the people of God. Okay, so this is one of the ways that we did that. This was um, from worship on Tuesday night, I think. Here, I'm going to need to spread out a little bit here, Casey. Mm-hmm. No, it was Miss Cheryl on Monday. Yep. So let's get this all rolled. We talked about all the different call stories. Well, not all of them because there's so many. But many of the call stories in Scripture. Are you ready? Yeah. And we started at the beginning when there was nothing. And God gave us the good gifts. God gave us the gift of light. The light that all light comes from. God gave us the gift of water. All the water. The water that all water comes from. And the gift of dry land. And green and growing things. A gift of day and night and a way to count our days, the sun and the moon and the stars. The gift of things that fly, not just birds, but all the things that fly and all the things that swim. All of them. Mm-hmm. And the gift of creatures that walk on two legs like you and me. And the gift of the creatures that walk on many legs. But then, but then God rested. You see this card? Mm -hmm. What's on it? It's blank. God gave us the gift of a day to give thanks for the good gifts of all the other days. And there's nothing on this card because... It is. It's the seventh day. And I don't know where it is that you go to give thanks for the good gifts. Maybe you do that here in this place. Maybe you do it at the lake at Bridgeport. Maybe you do that in your room. Maybe. And we wondered which part of this story. Okay, so would you come sit over here for me? I think that will help you be ready. Margaret, will you switch with Casey? Thanks. Oh, we wondered, I wonder which day of the story is about you. I wonder where you are in this story. Can you girls see? Because you are called 
and you are called, and you are called, and Bentley's called, and Cooper and Ryan and Wesley are called, and Margaret and Casey and Bronwyn are called. You remind me your name. And Connor is called. Okay. And you'll be called there back in Montana too. And one of the things that we're called to do that we're talking about here in church is to do justice. Somewhere in here, God has called you to do justice in the world. And I don't know where it is for you. But you know, don't you? Yeah. I wonder which day is about you. Ryan? The seventh day is about you. Wesley? Ah, to rest. It's good to rest. Mm Mm-hmm. The last one, the seventh, the sixth day is about Casey. Connor? This day. That day is about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cooper? The fourth day. And the third. The green and growing things. And also day and night and a way to count our days. All of them. All of them. Bentley? Every single day. We are called to do justice every single day. Now that will preach. You are, yeah, yeah. Ryan? One more. The sixth day? This is, we give thanks for us that we're one of those good gifts. You are one of those good gifts. And we're going to give thanks for that this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bentley, Ava, and our friend, tell me your name. Yeah, will you want to join our circle as we pray? Let's get a hand. Okay, see, that's okay. Let's, let's just use hands, okay? Thanks, so we don't squish any toes. Let's say, dear God, thank you for the good gifts of all the days. Thank you, God, that we are your people, that we are called to do your good work. Thank you, God, for loving me. We love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Caroline, for that mighty word. I always get fed at the children's time right before I have to preach. I need to be fed before I get up here and and preach. Um, Our scripture lesson for today comes from the 11th chapter of Matthew, verses 28 through 30. Hear now the word of God. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please may I pray for us. In the vast deep darkness, while you were creating the world, the spirit of the living God hovered over the waters. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to see y'all. And this went over pretty good in the first service, so I'm glad I'm going to do it again. (laughs) I'm going to sing y'all my church fight song from Arkansas so that y'all can have a better understanding of why I am about justice the way that I am. And this is for you, Mr. Carey. I'm going to tell you why. Because it sounds like the Arkansas Razorback fight song. That's why. So when I say woo pig suey, do it with me. You ready? I need for y'all to give me my cadence. Bum, 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 bum. I'm a red and white Wesleyan warrior from the mighty St. Andrew. Where we plan, and we do, and we serve our God with courage and truth. I'm a red and white Wesleyan warrior from the mighty St. Andrew. Where we give our thanks, we give our praise, because it is a joyful thing to serve our God. Woo! Big say! <laughs> That's for you, Mr. Carroll. <laughs> Amen. And um, that's what we're about at St. Andrew United Methodist Church back in Little Rock. And I'm proud to be a candidate for Ward A Ministry from that congregation for that simple reason. Even though they're small in number, they are so mighty in spirit and ability. This church is a 70-member church that serves a 1,000 people in a high harvest area to where they're able to have some kind of hope in life. The members at St. Andrew United Methodist Church, they're about not just equality, but equity as well. And I'm glad that God put me in a congregation that is very similar to the congregation that I came from back home. So that makes me so proud to be and work with you here today. So today we're going to look at... Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. And when I looked at this scripture for my message today, I was looking at the lectionary and I was like, okay, Pastor Valerie has me preaching on justice. And I didn't want to, um, like, look up a passage on what justice meant. I wanted to get the lectionary, just like a good Methodist pastor, you know. I like being Methodist. I like having a method to doing things. And um, I looked at uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, and I read it and I was like, this motivates me to want to continue to do justice. And I'm not saying that we're not about justice in this congregation, but... When I was a student at Philander Smith College, my organic chemistry professor would not ever give me an A, even though I deserved it. Because he told me, there's always room for improvement, right, saints? So even though we know we need to be about justice, there's always room for improvement. This work is 
never ending. It's ongoing and it's something that we have to live out day by day. And sometimes it's not easy. But what I've learned being your congregational care and evangelism minister is that social action go hand in hand with evangelism. We can't separate them. They go hand in hand. Being about uh, discipling others for Jesus Christ, we got to be about justice. When Miss Ann, she read uh, the method to kingdom building with Micah 6, 8, and she also continued with another uh, passage of scripture out of the Old Testament. And these are examples of what we can do to actually practice justice. So the reason why I picked those, that particular second scripture is just to show that being about justice didn't just come on the scene when Jesus said we had to do it. God said it from way back when, when he brought the Israelites over the Red Sea into the promised land. God said we got to be about this. That is the first requirement, right, to do justice. So I'm like, why would that be the first thing that God would want us to do? And I thought about it and thought about it, and then I realized, you know what, all I can do is use somebody else's words to answer that question. And the words that come to my mind to answer that question comes from the Apostle Paul, when Paul said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in other words, when, when that happened, when we deserve judgment, I mean, there's no one here that's beyond reproach from the pastor on down. When we, we deserve judgment, but God grants us unmerited. Now that means we can't work for it. God gives us unmerited favor and grace because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for that reason alone, through the gift of salvation, we need to be about doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. So today we're going to address the issue of doing justice from this passage of Scripture. Now this uh, story, it's also found in Luke as well, and... In this passage earlier in the chapter, Jesus is pointing out some simple facts and realities about the situation that he's in. He is um, thanking, well, let me just put it to you like this. He's around a bunch of Donald Trumps and Dina Hamiltons. And the reason why I'm saying it like this is he was around the rich and the powerful and the elite and the highly educated. That's why I use me as an example. <laughs> the only reason why I said this is because I counted how many degrees I'd earned. But the thing about it is you get, all, you get these Dinas and Donalds, D's and D's, you got these folks, and they were cut off from the gospel. And Jesus is like, you know what, when y'all die, it ain't going to be no love lost. Because all y'all do is complain. You cut yourself off from the gospel. You're complaining because John is coming in proclaiming the gospel with sadness and telling you to repent. And you get mad. When I proclaim the gospel with liberty and joy, it's no satisfying, y'all. So guess what? Thank you, God, for revealing your truth to those who accept me and your methods. That's why Jesus gave the reference to the helplessness and the dependentness of little infants. So if we look at verse 25, 
It, Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. That's saying a lot right there. When you are open to God's methods, God can accomplish a lot through you, can he? God really can. So when we look at the pericope for today, Jesus is giving all who needs God an open invitation to rest. And the word for weary in this, in this verse, verse 28, in Greek is called kapieo. And kapieo means to work and with mental and physical exhaustion or to work until you just completely burn out. And us pastors, we have a tendency to work till we completely burn out. So we need to really be careful about that. So Christ is giving, this, giving us this open invitation. And John Wesley, on this one particular verse, he has three things he wants to say about verse 28. The first thing that John Wesley says about verse 28 is that Christ is giving this invitation to people with joy. He is joyfully inviting people to be in relationship with God. And he is joyfully saying that you can find rest in God. The second thing that John Wesley says about this verse is that this verse means that when you take upon the character of Christ, you become meek and humble like Christ as well. So the radar that, and then, and then John Wesley says, the third thing we need to realize is if you really have the character of Christ, which is the meekness and the humility, you're not going to be resentful. People who seek God are not resentful. They're not drama starters. They're not there to talk about, you know, just stuff that doesn't matter. They're genuinely and truly there for God. And Christ says, if you are toiling into exhaustion, you come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. So when we look at verse 29, he says, not only am I going to give you rest for your soul, but take upon my yoke as well. And to be yoked to something, that's a heavy burden in it. And like in the first service, every time I hear the word yoke, I always think of the oxen pulling the till and, oh, is it a tractor? I don't know. It's just a big thing, that big metal thing. Is it a plow? That's what you call it. The oxen, <laughs> the oxen pulls the plow and it's a hard and cumbersome task. But guess what? Christ wants to be yoked to us. Christ wants to be in community with us. Christ wants us to be in community with not only him, but each other as well. And through this, we can do this. And then, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is almost so refreshing. That's like taking a cool drink of water, isn't it? Like you can get so much rest for your soul. I can just, you know, take in God and the next thing you know, I can do the impossible, right? See, I'm hearing beep, 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 beep. I said, when we take on Christ and live for, for the Lord, we can do the impossible, right? That's right. That's a little bit better. I can roll with that. Okay, so now that I've given this narrative, okay, what does all this have to do with us being the Justice League and being about justice? How can we use these three verses to be about doing justice? Well, the same way that Jesus invites us to God, we must 
be that, we must do that same thing. We must have that extravagant, unconditional welcome to all. We must invite all who need Jesus or who may want Jesus. Because I know one day we're going to need God, right, Mr. Carroll? He looking like, yeah, we're going to need God. <laughs> we need God all the time, 24-7, seven days a week. And we have to live and be the gospel in such a way that we are proclaiming this with our lives. We're not just saying, come to God. We're showing people how to do it. That's how we speak justice. And to think justice, this Reading these three verses should put us in the right mind frame to want to do justice. Because doing church work is very cumbersome. It can be very weary. It can be very tiring. And sometimes it is so unrewarding. It's more people telling you what you're doing wrong than thanking you for the things that you do right sometimes. But yet and still, when you are committed to God, when you read those three verses, you can keep it pushing. You can push on and press on knowing that it's more than just getting a pat on the back. You know that you are doing what needs to be done to advance the kingdom of God. And so the third thing that we can learn about doing justice from these three verses is that when we look at verse 30 and Christ says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that needs to motivate us to be about justice with urgency and without reservation. So I'm just going to end my sermon with a, a story I cried when I said it in the first service. I think I didn't get it out of me. I think I might be okay when I talk about my family. But I want to tell y'all about two superheroes that are very close to me and dear to me and the reason why I even got in the ministry in the first place. And they are my maternal grandparents, Mabel G. Jones and Bishop Albert Thomas Jones. Um, these two people practice justice in such a way where I, when my uncle told me the story, I was like, I just knew that God was on their side because the way that they practiced justice, it was with such urgency and so effective that their legacy still lives on today in Houston, Texas. See, growing up, I knew that my grandfather was a bishop, but I just never knew how important my grandparents were. I never knew that they knew Martin Luther King and all those other people to help organize the civil rights movement in Houston, Texas. All I know is when I went to go visit my family in Houston after my parents died, my uncle just sat us down and told us the story of how my grandfather got elected bishop in the Church of God. So my grandmother gets frustrated about the situation with African Americans in Houston, Texas, and it's just really bad at a fever pitch of racism and division in the city. But she didn't want to see the violence that went along with the change. So what she did was she went to my grandfather and she basically strong armed him into getting involved. <laughs> That's really what it was when I think about it instead of just going through all of it. She strongholded him and said, look, you got to do something. I'm a woman. They're not going to listen to me. You're the one that's the pastor in the community that everybody listens to. You need to do something about it. So my grandfather basically said, okay, Mabel, um, if you put it together and organize it, I'll make sure it gets done. 
So together they work together to form a interfaith alliance of people from all walks of life, all races, all ages, Christians, non-Christians, politicians, church leaders, and they work together to implement the civil rights movement in Houston, Texas. And what is so amazing about my grandparents was that in 1968, Houston, Texas had one of the most like peaceful civil rights movements compared to what was going on in the other major U.S. cities. And their legacy still lives on today. And because of what my grandparents did, that gave me the courage to always be about justice, even when I'm mistreated. Even when I know that I can do better, I'm still about making sure that people have equality as well as equity. And it's good to know that I'm in the company of other people that feel the same way too, but there's always room for improvement. We're not going to ever get it right unless we stay focused and centered on God. And I know that we can get it right because I believe in you guys. But the question is, do you believe in you? I believe in you. I have such faith in you that it is unreal. And I know that we can do it together. So what does God require of us? God requires us to do justice, love kindness, And walk humbly with God. So together as the Justice League, I pray on this day and this day forward that together we do that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.